Bloody Elbow presents the Hey Not The Face podcast, the show that brings you the business side of combat sports, including contract review, financial analysis, fighter pay issues, and more. Hey Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content if available at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, John S. Nash, joined by his producer, Steffi Haynes. Cigar Page put together a great offering special for our readers. 60 G's, baby. The team at Bloody Elbow had some laughs thinking about those old school UFC fight bonuses and how far some of those early fighters have come. The 60 G's baby deal from Cigar Page is five 90 plus rated cigars and a travel humidor. This is a value of $90 that Cigar Page is offering Bloody Elbow readers for $25. While that cigar culture is alive and well in the MMA community, it may not be your thing, and it also makes an awesome gift for the holidays. You can grab this deal today at cigarpage.com slash 60gsbaby. That's cigarpage.com 60gsbaby. Hello and welcome to Hey, Not the Face with your host, John Nash, and your producer, me, Steffi Haynes. And this is our year-end edition. We are going to take a look at the three biggest stories of the year, and we're going to predict. We're going to put the Nostradamus hat on John Nash, and we're going to have him predict what he thinks the three biggest stories of next year will be. John, how the hell are you? Good, sort of good. I don't. Well, we'll see. I got. I got a buddy here, a friend of mine. She's she's messing already with the show. Oh, hello, Isla the cat. Yes, I think it's because I'm sitting next to it. There's an open window nearby. She has to crawl past me to get to the sunlight. So yeah. Who's going to take care of her while you're away on vacation? Well, first, I got a couple of people. My brother will watch her for a while, my brother's girlfriend for a while, then then, then my girlfriend for a while. So. Aw, well, that's so she's, great. She's going through a lot of people. But I bet they all love her. They Well, they better. She's She comes number <laughs> one. She's the priority list in the household, her, then everybody else. And that includes so me. It's so shocking. Yeah, you know, he's... John of last year would have never, never been this, but this is awesome for you. Oh, I, I, I even last year I say it's an abusive relationship. <laughs> it's a, it's a very abusive relationship between me and this cat. That uh, <laughs> I did not, I didn't pick her. She chose me. I just, I had no choice in the matter of accepting her. So, but you love her just the same, and that's I'm not going to say in front of her. She'll go to her head. <laughs> so let's get started. What is in your opinion, of these three stories, and we will name them as we go, but what, in your opinion, is the top story of 2023? Well, we're going to be focusing on, it's an MMA site, Bloody Elbow, mostly, even though we cover some boxing. So we're going to, we're going to limit this to mixed martial arts only, um, because there's some big boxing events, you know, uh, stories too. Saudi Arabia getting into boxing, uh, what happened to PBC and Showtime, the, just the number of big fights that boxing made this year. But for MMA, our top three stories, the number one has got to be, 
I think for this year, and people might be surprised how much we cover other stuff, but Francis Ngannou was the number one story uh, for everything that he symbolizes and encompasses in the into the industry as well. I think he was the number one story of the year. Keep going on why he was the number one. I mean, give us, for new listeners, give us a little of the history around this and why it was so important for well, this year it, and for fighters in general. It, it, it had, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, repercussions going to come out of this. A lot of, uh, the, uh, there's a lot of elements to the France Sagana story. The part one is we had a champion, a UFC heavyweight champion leaving the promotion. We have not had a fighter leave the UFC since 2004. Fighters have tried before, but the contracts are such that it's been impossible. So one, he just him leaving the UFC as the, as the champion at the time. Uh, though the UFC will claim they stripped him, but uh, really he had the right to leave before that. Two is the fact that he could do it through the contractual changes that were done because the antitrust lawsuit. He had contractual changes that let him get out of his contract, something unheard of before. Uh, and you know, as people listen to the show, know those changes they've rechanged the contracts to make it a lot harder for anybody to fall France and Ghana's route. So he he also got out of the UFC because of the contract. We had a bidding war on um, um, some degree for him amongst MMA promotions. And so another big story is how much he got and what he got from PFL that that signed him after leaving the UFC. He's got now close to an eight-figure guarantee. He's gonna get if he fights MMA, we don't even know if he's gonna fight mixed martial arts in the future because he's really set so well in boxing because he has a contract that allows him to do both. It's very open-ended. He gets to keep all the sponsorship. He gets all these rights. He gets sit on a board on the African uh, uh, PFL uh, franchise. And then on top of that, like I said, he gets almost eight figures guarantee. And if it does great, if he gets a big opponent in MMA, he's going to make boxing like purses. It won't be – if he fights Deontay Wilder, if they manage to do that in PFL – his deal is not going to be eight to ten million. It's going to be probably in several tens of millions of dollars because he gets such a big chunk of the the revenue. So he he that all those elements together. Um, not even mention that he promised his opponent two million minimum. You know, there's just so many parts of that story that that's the number one story because we have never seen a UFC champion leave. We've never seen anybody get out of their contract that way. We've never seen people uh, make the kind of get the kind of contract he has in, in MMA. And we've never seen, uh, I, I guess, the potential that another promotion now has, though he's been he's no longer the number one because he hasn't fought so long. If he gets a good opponent, it's it's pretty plausible for him to be the number one heavyweight again. Now, there is a part of this that matters and that is that his boxing match with Tyson Fury went over so well that WBC actually ranked him at number 10. So I want to ask you, is it more important that he did so well against Tyson Fury or is it more important that he, you know, wrangled this deal with PFL? Well, I, th- I think it's more important that he did well with Tyson Fury, but the PFL deal basically gave him coverage that no matter what happens with Tyson Fury, he's he's cared for on the MMA side. If he bombs in boxing, now he can always go back to MMA, right? But obviously the Tyson Fury deal that he did so well against Tyson Fury is the bigger deal for him, but also for PFL because they now – Tyson – I mean, Ngannou, you know, people said, oh, he's not a draw when he left the UFC and all that stuff, but – 
he's the number one heavyweight, and now he's a known commodity in combat sports. He has a big name in combat sports, much, much, much bigger than when he left. So PFL has now signed not just the number one heavyweight at the time, the, the UFC heavyweight champion. They have a guy that's really well-known in combat sports because what he did against Tyson Fury – and Pringano, he's, you know, he's a, an MMA fighter that did well in boxing, did very, very well on that close to, you know, beating the heavyweight champion. And he has the option now, if they, if, if PFL can get him an opponent and he goes back to mixed martial arts, he will make a lot of money. He will make more than probably any MMA fighter, even, even Conor McGregor, probably if they can get a big enough fight for him or he'll get a boxing match. And Eddie Hearn was saying, and this sounds plausible, that they already have a deal in place that he'll fight Tyson Fury at the end of the year in, in boxing again. In which case, that because that, that deal he had the first time was a one-off deal. There was no extensive contract. He's going to be looking at tens of millions of dollars boxing again. So he he's a winner on all fronts. Absolutely. Let's get to our – first of all, let me ask you, are there any other elements around Francis Ngannou that we should look at before we move on to topic number two? Well, I, I guess the only element is the, – the big one is – and this will go into topic number two as well – is who his opponent is. What, what, are the, what, are, what can he really do realistically in mixed martial arts because he doesn't have an opponent, right? There's plenty of opponents right now in boxing. Uh, they're going to have – uh, the word is Joshua and Wilder are going to box in the spring. So that's off the table now. But both those guys are potential opponents down the line for Francis Gano. People would pay to see that. He's got a Tyson Fury rematch plausibly in the future. There's other boxers. Saudi Arabia, the other thing is Saudi Arabia is so much into the Ngannou business, I think, because they're getting so much into heavyweight boxing. There's other opponents that they would pit him with, and they would pay him a lot of money just to make sure it's done with Saudi, with the Saudi government in Saudi Arabia. So, uh, I, I guess the the question that element goes with it, he goes, is a France and going to be a one off? Is he the only one that's going to benefit this way, or are there other fighters that are going to be a possibly benefit like this in the future? All right, let's get into topic number two, which is. Well, which is, I would say the number two MMA story, again, might be surprising to some people who listen to the show, is the PFL, and specifically the PFL and Bellator together, that the number two MMA promotion. Why is it so important right now? Well, first of all, at the beginning of the year, PFL wasn't that important. You know, they, they, they hype themselves up as this major player, but really they exaggerate so much. Don Davis is very good at speaking hedge fund speak to try to get investors, but really they, they didn't have, they don't sell They weren't selling tickets. Their ratings weren't that spectacular. Uh, they didn't have that many top fighters as much as they boast. They do. They don't have really any compared to like the UFC or Bellator. So really they had not much going for, them. but in over this year, first they, they signed France Ngannou. So they've got the former UFC heavyweight champ. The guy that left the lineal heavyweight champion of the world is under the promotion contract. They signed Jake Paul, who has yet to do a UFC, I mean, MMA fight, but, uh, he has the, you know, he's there potentially. And he has, and I think he's exaggerated as a pay-per-view star, but he's an, he's an attention getter. Let's put it that way. So they have, they have elements they've signed over the year, which give them potential pay-per-view, uh, possibilities on top of that. Now they've renewed their ESPN contracts. They're going to stay on ESPN, They've they've now bought up uh, Bellator, which is the other major story, because now there's a clear number two. Even though PFL is 
gate and ticket weren't great in the past. They bought up Bellator. They now have act, they've acquired a bunch of ranked fighters. Um, and we'll get to that in a second why that's important. And also after signing Ngannou, if people look at the ratings, their ratings have gone up over the, the summer after Ngannou was signed. And I think that's part of the payoff is that the attention that he brought, that the idea of the stories that they'd signed him brought viewers to the regular shows. Uh, their, their, their gates seem to be up. We'll see next year when they have bigger stars actually fighting how much their gates are up. But that's another big thing. So in other words, there seems to be some progress. I don't think they're doing gangbusters business. They're still losing money for their investors. They're not, uh, but they're moving in the right direction now on, on that level. And with the acquisition of Bellator, um, uh, and it's really a merger technically because they didn't spend they didn't pay for Bellator. They Bellator got shares percentage. They merged the two companies. Bellator, they've they've acquired all these fighters. So when they try to put on pay-per-views next year, uh, the big thing is who can they put on pay-per-views? Now Bellator guys don't sell. They're they're still making the pitch that they're they're gonna get 50% of the revenue. They're basically pitching to UFC fighters if you can get out of your contract, come to PFL. Well, the good news is for some of the weight divisions, if a fighter, a champ, or a guy that's a draw in the UFC can get out of his contract and come to PFL, they now have opponents to put against them, where before they didn't. And so that's a big deal. The question is, because we saw with how, you know, what they did after Ngannou left, can they get any of those fighters? Well, I guess that's the that's safe. leading ahead to we'll get into part two on this these questions. But for PFL, they just did a lot this year. Uh and and compared, you know, in the past, one was the big talk and one has floated in the background. And PFL has now cemented themselves, even though they were probably a distant second mind belter, they are now clearly the number two promotion, but still way, 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 way behind the UFC. Will it stay that way? Uh, in what sense, stay what way? Will it stay that the UFC is in the number one spot and about 35 miles back is well, PFL? Well, a short answer, yes. Long answer, I guess. Let's look what happens when we get to 2024. Okay. All right. I, I do have a, another question here as far as Bellator and PFL. There were a lot of rumors about certain fights. For instance, Cyborg and um, Leah McCourt. And it was supposed to be at the Saitama Super Arena, blah, blah, blah. And then everything fell apart. Um, are we going to see more uh, stuff like that until they get everything ironed out? Or are we going to look at smooth sailing in 2024? Do you think that they, between now and then they will have uh, ironed out all their little uh, difficulties and wrinkles? Well, I mean, part of it was they had a plan and, and now the plan's gone because the bell tour of the past doesn't exist. So we're going to have we're still going to have a lot of problems. Uh, and this is, we're going to have problems for the next several months because they're going to have to cut the roster down. So there's fighters that'll probably be let go. Uh, they will have to, they're now, there's, there's just between now and then, I don't want to give too much away because we'll get into 2024 shortly, but they'll have to cut fighters down. There's going to be fighters disappointed because they had plans with Bellator that no longer seem sensible with the new promotion. Um, and then there's fighters that are going to be told to, that to go to PFL. And I don't know how many want to go to PFL based on it's a tournament model. So there's still going to be issues going forward for the next few months. But I think it's uh, shortly thereafter, it's it'll be ironed out. One more question on this. Yeah, there are guys out there and I, I'm specifically looking at 
Darren Till. Darren Till left the UFC last year. He requested his release. They granted it to him, but we don't really know what kind of release he got. And I noticed that he's very uh, picky and choosy with what fights he's willing to talk about taking on his social media. And there are always these influencer or crossover or karate combat, but never anything full on MMA. If he were to uh, get an offer or whatever could he realistically go to pfl well i don't know his contract my my guess would be that they didn't really fully release him they, uh. they let him they gave him permission to go out and fight elsewhere and he's still under ufc contract and one of the stipulations then would be that he can't fight mixed martial arts uh, or that he has to get permission from them to fight mixed martial arts uh. so that's my guess he's cashing in on boxing kickboxing you know bear, what, whatever ever everything but mixed martial arts to build up his confidence and get some money I'm just guessing, but that's what it seems because he's not, he doesn't seem to be in any interest really to shop around to the other MMA promotions. Exactly. And I was just wondering if you could spitball on that, which you did. So that was Mm. perfect. So getting to topic three, which ties everything together, I think let's, let's break it down. Well, topic three for this year, 2023, the biggest story in 2023 for, from my point of view, mixed martial arts was the antitrust lawsuit. Now, a lot, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, oh, John, how do you not have that number one? Well, I don't have a number one because it hasn't made an impact. Uh, there hasn't been a ruling yet, really, on it. There's, all we've had is that there's been progress in it. And, but the progress has been so immense that it still has to be a big story. And that progress has been that we had class certification. Uh, so the, the judge granted the class certification to be class action, which pushes it forward, set a trial date for next year, and that the the defendants appealed this to the Ninth Circuit and the appeal was rejected. So we are going to go next year, most likely into a trial. So that's the, just that alone is because of how big the case potentially is, makes it the third story. On top of that, there is connections because Francis and Ganu, because the UFC changed their contracts in 2017 because of this lawsuit, Francis and Ganu got out of the UFC sign with PFL. None of that happens without this lawsuit. Also, we've had a a bunch of discovery this year. So we have much more information about the UFC uh, than we had in the past, all thanks to this lawsuit. We've had it in the past, some of it like wage share, but this year we have like, you know, we know like individual fighter payments. We know stuff about more about their dealings, just a lot more information. What the the owners exactly got is distributions, things that we didn't know for sure before. So this year was huge for us for information, especially the last few few months, huge for progression on the lawsuit. And there's some repercussions in the industry because now fighters are more aware of what happened. And we had the France Ngannou situation. But I'm not sure. We didn't see any many more France Ngannous this year. There's a potential. Maybe Paula Costa took advantage of the um, of the sunset provision. He you know he was claiming he was, and he apparently got a good deal. Apparently, sounds like from my understanding, Miocic kind of took advantage of it, re-signed with the UFC, but got a great deal. So. Other fighters have taken advantage of it, but I think we're moving to the point where that sunset provision that Ngano and some other fighters kind of took advantage of, that's we're into newer contracts that no longer have the same one. So we're not going to see the the benefits of that that we had in the past. So we are moving in reverse contract-wise once again. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.
Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.